it's, uh, it's great to be here. Um, I've been looking forward to this, and uh, I've loved what I've seen uh, since I've arrived. It's great to see what God is doing uh, among you. Are you, are you taking a video? Me? Are you? You are, aren't you? Come here. No, no, don't switch it off. What? Oh, you just did. I'll switch it back on. Come, 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 come here. Come, come up here. What? What's your name? Caleb. Caleb. Is this is this playing? Oh, there we are. So this is Caleb, and this is everyone. And um, Caleb, uh, can I ask, what, what are you, you going to preach on tonight? <laughs> I have no idea. Oh, that's how I feel every time I'm about to. Where are you from? Nottingham. Um, Nottingham. Oh, another one. Okay. Okay, well, if you don't know what you're going to preach on, I, I better do it, don't I? All right. Do you want your camera back? See you, mate. Just messing around. He would look scared. <clears throat> we, um, I'm going I'm I'm to get going. Um, uh, one of my favorite stories from Scripture is Jesus' first miracle. And uh, uh, I, I love that his first miracle was he turned water into wine by the gallon uh, just because they ran out at a wedding party. Uh, I love it that he cares so much about the little things. But actually, it wasn't just that he cared. I want to read uh, the first bit of that miracle. And it's in John chapter 2, if anyone wants to make sure I'm not making this up. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Now, I want to tell you, isn't that just typical of a mum? Isn't that what they do? They don't tell you what they want, do they? They, they, don't, they don't say, uh, can you bring the shopping in from the car? They say, oh, there's a lot of shopping in the car. They don't say, can you load the dishwasher? They say, oh, the dishwasher needs loading again. And Jesus' mum was no different. She said to Jesus, they've run out of wine. And I love Jesus. Jesus' response is like, What's that got to do with me? Just like any normal teenager. In fact, what he says is, woman. He does. He says, woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. Do you know, when I first read that, I was 15. I'd just become a Christian. And I thought, that is a really good line. I'm going to try that at home. So the next time my mum said to me, she said, Michael, tidy your room. I looked her in the eye and I said, Mum, my hour has not yet come. <laughs> it didn't work out well for me. But anyway, that's what Jesus said. Hello, you're taking my photo as well. Just go on. Do, do, do. <clears throat> His mother... And this is what Jesus' mother responded. His mother said to the servants, do 
whatever he tells you. And that's what we're going to be, that's the title of the talk tonight. The title of the talk is Do Whatever He Tells You. Let's listen to Jesus' mum, Mary, when she said that to the disciples. It's as if she's saying it to us thousands of years later. Uh, if we want to see Jesus do wonderful things among us, if we want to see him use us, a key is to do whatever he tells us. Now, the way I've translated that for lots of years is do whatever he tells you when what he tells you makes sense. Do whatever he tells you when you agree with what he tells you. Do whatever he tells you when you understand what he tells you. That's not obedience. That's happening to agree with Jesus. Obedience is trusting him by doing whatever he tells you when it's scary, when it doesn't seem to make sense, and when you don't know exactly why. And straight away, the, dis the, the servants, they had an opportunity uh, to put this into practice. As soon as Mary said to the servants, do whatever he tells you, Jesus says to them, you see these huge stone water jars, fill them with water. Now, again, if, if I'd been one of the servants... I might have said something like this, excuse me, Mr. Christ, uh, but did you not listen to what your mum said? She said they've run out of wine. What we have is a wine deficit, not a water shortage. We have loads of San Pellegrino. What we need is Chateau Neuf du Pape. And you know, it didn't make sense. They heard we've run out of wine and Jesus says, Fill these jars with water. There's no water shortage. And if I'd have said that to Jesus, I think Jesus would have said to me, did you not hear what my, about what my mum said to you? She said, do whatever I tell you. So they did. They, they did. They filled the stone water jars even though they didn't understand. And it gets worse. Then Jesus says, I want one of you to fill a wine glass with this dirty water and take it to the master of ceremonies to taste. Now, I imagine the servant's like, I'm not doing it. I'm not. Do well, one of us has got to do it. And the, uh, the, the littlest servant, probably, he, he got the job. And can you imagine as he took it, I'm going to get killed. He's going to think this is wine. He's going to drink it. He's going to spit it out. And I'm just a slave. I'm going to be in big trouble. But he takes it and the master of ceremonies has a sip. And he says, stop. And all the servants' hearts would have missed a beat. And he says, wow, this is the best wine. You've left it till the end, he says to the bridegroom. And then everyone starts drinking what was dirty water. When did the miracle happen? I think it happened on the journey. And do you know what? There's a little line in this story, and it says... Uh, the, you know, no one understood, but the servants knew. The servants knew what was going on. And I think everyone was, oh, this is the most wonderful wine. Yes, what a bouquet. What an aroma. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. And the servants are thinking, it's dirty water. And they're looking at each other and they're saying, it's dirty water. And they're going like that. And I don't know, don't you sometimes wish that the book was a DVD? I sometimes wish the book was a DVD. And I, I tell you, I can't, I can't say this happened, but I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure at one point the servants were like, eh? And you know it says it was a secret between Jesus and the servants. The servants knew. I, I, I'm sure Jesus, he probably looked at them at one point and he went, 
Don't you think? Don't you think he probably gave them a little wink? They were in on the secret. That's what happens when we obey Jesus. We're in on the secret. We get to have intimacy with him. We get to do stuff with him. And a miracle happened. A miracle happened. And they were the only ones who knew. I just want to turn to the, my second uh, passage, which is here. And uh, there's just one more story I want to look at, and then we're going to pray. Uh, in, in Matthew chapter 14, Jesus has, had just fed 5,000 people with a little boy's picnic, which actually probably is my favorite miracle. <laughs> Not just because it involves food in bars. What did you say? Did you say about food with me? Do you want me to sit on you? If I come down and sit on you, you will die. <laughs> anyway, I was going to say the same thing. So, yeah, I, not just because I like food. Can you imagine if I sat on someone and they died? I mean, the, the legal ramifications are terrible. They'd have to close this down. Uh, and um, what was I saying? I was saying something. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Anyway, he's just fed 5,000 people with a little boy's picnic. And then we read this. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side of the lake while he dismissed the crowd. Now, do you know, I've read this story hundreds of times. And it was only in the last few years I've, I've actually seen things that I never saw before. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get in the boat. And you know what? In, in the Greek, it's a strong phrase. He made them get into the boat. He made them. It, happened, it would have been something like this. Uh, disciples, um, I'd like you to get into the boat, and I want you to row overnight to the other side, and I'll join you in the morning. How are you going to get there, boss? Um, it, don't worry, I've got my own transport sorted. I'll, I'll do that. Um, okay, um, uh, Jesus, the boys and I, we've been, um, we've been on the internet and we've been looking at the weather forecast and it's really not good. And they say it's going to be big waves and wind and, and we're fishermen and this is where we do our job and we know that's pretty dangerous. So if it's all right with you, we'll, we'll stay here overnight and we'll go in the morning. Get in the boat. <laughs> he made them get in the boat. Sometimes Jesus... Oops. Sometimes Jesus deliberately sends us into storms. Why? Is it because he hates us? No, because he knows that it's often in the storms of life that we meet him in a deeper way, that we have to rely on him and trust him in a deeper way. It's often in the middle of the storms that, he, that we have to lean on him and he proves himself worthy. So they went. They went in the boat, and uh, it, was, it was a bad storm. Listen to this. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. Do you know how many times the disciples didn't recognize Jesus, even though he was with them every day? Do you know there's two reasons they wouldn't recognize him? After the resurrection, they didn't recognize him because they were full of disappointment because they couldn't believe he rose from the dead. And in this occasion, they didn't recognize him because they were full of fear. So often when we're full of fear and Jesus comes to us, 
We mistake him for a ghost. We don't recognize him. So what does he do? He speaks to them. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. And the two phrases on either side, take courage and don't be afraid, only make sense with the phrase in the middle, it is I. We can take courage and not be afraid when we recognize Jesus is in the middle of the storm of our life. And he was, he was coming to them and he spoke to them. That's why it's so important to get into the Bible. That's why it's so important to read the book. And then I love Peter because I think Peter's like me in some ways. I'm not saying I'm rocky or on anything I say the church is built or anything like that. In this area, we both open our mouths before our brains are in gear. And, and here he goes, all right? It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. So then they recognize him, and then Peter can't help himself. Before he can stop himself, he says, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Oh. And before he can say, only joking, Jesus says, come on then. Now, this is, this is not a calm lake. This, the, the waves are big. And then I think the other disciples, they all looked at Pete and they were like, off you go, mate. You opened your mouth. You said it. Now you get out there. And, G and Peter had a choice there. Well, probably he didn't have a choice because he said it. Then listen to this. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Now, I've read this for years. And do you know how I've read it for years? I've read it as Pete's great failure. So Pete gets out of the boat, he starts walking on the water towards Jesus, and after a while he takes his eyes off Jesus, he looks at the big waves and the effect of the wind, and he gets afraid and he starts to sink and he starts to drown. And, and, and as he's drowning, he's going under the water, and the way I've read it is like this, and Jesus sees, oh no, Pete's drowning, what am I going to do? I can't let him drown, I need him for the acts of the apostles. So Jesus dives into the water and does the front crawl. A bit better than that. And gets behind Peter and uses a life-saving technique he learned at Nazareth swimming pool in his swimming lessons at school. And he shouts to the disciples in the boat, quick, throw some ropes, get the rubber ring. We've got to save Pete's life. And then Jesus gets Peter to the edge of the boat. They pull him into the boat. He's spluttering. There's, there's water in his lungs. He's lying there. Jesus climbs into the boat soaking wet. He gets on top of Pete. He gives him mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation. And as Peter suddenly splutters back to life, Jesus says to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? Now, where did I get that from? That's not what it says. For years, I've read it like that. Do you know what it actually says? It says, yeah, Peter stopped looking at Jesus. He started to sink. 
But the first thing he did was he said, Lord, save me. The first thing he did was he said, Lord, save me. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, if something really goes wrong in my life, the first thing I do is I try and save myself. And then if that doesn't work, I try and get my friends to save me. And if that doesn't work, I'll ring 999. And as a last resort, I'll ask him. The first thing Peter did was he said, Lord, save me. And then, it, it, what it, listen to what it says. It says, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. He reached out his hand and caught him. He didn't dive into the water. He caught hold of Peter's hand and he lifted him up. And do you know what almost certainly happened? Jesus and Peter walked back to the boat, walking on the water through the waves together, holding hands. That's the implication of the story. I don't think this was Pete's greatest failure. I think this was Peter's greatest success. I think for years later at parties, you know, they would have asked Peter, hey, can you tell us the story of when you walked on the water with, with Jesus? And I can imagine Peter saying, oh, that again. Oh, I've told that story so many times. Oh, have I got the energy to tell it again? Oh, all right then, I'll tell it one more time. Gather round, everyone. I'm going to tell you my walking on the water story with Jesus. And then he'll say, well, we were, we were in a bit of a, bad, it was a bad storm. And the boys were nervous. They were scared, but I, I was all right. And then Jesus came to us. And, and as soon as I realized it was Jesus, I said, Jesus, if that's you, which it is you, can I come and join you? And Jesus said, be my guest. So I got out of the boat and I started walking towards Jesus. Now, the next bit, I can't quite remember the details. And we'll just skip over that. But basically, to cut a long story short, Jesus and I, we were, we were walking on the water, on the water, through the waves, holding hands. Did I mention that? We were holding hands, the Lord and I. Yeah, we were, the two of us. What was it like? How, how do I describe it? I mean, it was liquid, but it was bouncy. It was kind of firm. Um, I mean, I don't know how to describe it. The only people who have ever experienced it are me and Jesus. And Well, Jesus has gone back to heaven, and so I suppose I'm the only one left on earth. Who knows what it's like to walk on the water? Yes, I mean it was it was it was it was wavy. It was a bit like a gentle roller coaster. And did I mention that as we were walking on the water, Jesus and I were holding hands? We were walking along like yeah, the two of us were walking along like this. And to this day, I can't be absolutely certain whether he was holding me up or I was holding him up. I mean, we were just there together. Do you know how I know that he, Peter would have said that? I know Peter would have said that because I would have said that. If I was in that place, I would have told it like that. And, and you know, that bit where, why do we always, when, when it says, um, Jesus said to Peter, you of little faith, why did you doubt? I don't think he shouted it like that. Not while he was holding Peter's hand. Can you imagine they're, they're walking along, holding hands, and Jesus says, why are you little faith? Why did you? I don't think he said it like that. I think he said it more like this. Oh, Pete, you faithless one. Why didn't you trust me, Pete? Did you think I was going to let you drown, you silly sausage? Did you think I was, Pete, next time trust me. It's okay. Look, I'm holding your hand. We're all right, you twit. Do you know, I think he said it more like that. More like that. And then I bet, I bet as Pete would tell the story at various parties, at some stage he would say, oh, um, Andrew, James, John, um, you were there. Is there anything you want to add to the story? 
oh no, sorry, I forgot, you stayed in the boat. I was the only one who walked on the water with Jesus. Do you know, Pete, the, the greatest miracle Peter was involved with was when he obeyed. When Jesus said, come, Peter obeyed. Was he scared? Yeah. Did he do it 100%? Well, no, he started to sink. But when you obey what God says and you feel you're sinking, I tell you, he's faithful. Jesus will take your hand and he will lift you up. He always, always does that. He always does that. He will take, and you will have the greatest intimacy with him because Jesus wants to be close to you. Jesus wants to walk near you. Jesus wants to, he wants to breathe his life on you. He wants a friendship with you. And it happens in the middle of the storms. It happens when we obey. Now, you won't have read this, but most older Christians have read it. There's this book that's been doing the rounds that called The Five Love Languages. And it says that we all have one of five love languages that we, that we give and receive love. For some of us, it's physical affection, touch. And um, yeah, that's you. <laughs> Just watch it. That's, yeah. And, um, and so for some of us... <laughs> For some of us, it's, well, if you're going to sit at the front, you're going to get bullied. Um, for some of us, for some, me next, <laughs> shut up. For some of us, it's touch. For some of us, it's gifts. For some of us, it's quality time. Uh, for some of us, it's acts of service. Um, and what's the fifth one? What? What? Words of affirmation. And when, when, when I first heard that, I panicked because I have a sixth love language that isn't in the book. Yes, you get it, food. And do you know what God's love language is? God has a love language and his love language is obedience. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. His love language is obedience. Worship in song is great. I love worship in song. It's so good. We're told to worship in song. But the ultimate worship of Jesus is obeying him. If you love me, you will obey my commands. And I tell you, we see more miracles when we obey than at any other time. If we really want to see um, um, uh, miracles then what we need to do is, is we need to step out and obey. And I'll finish with this. I have an, a, f a friend called J. John, and uh, he's an evangelist. And uh, um, that means he tells people about Jesus and they become Christians. And, and you know what? A lot more people become Christians when he tells them about Jesus than when I tell them about Jesus. And it really annoys me. And, you know, and I was thinking, why is that? You know, and people say, oh, because he's anointed or whatever that means. And, and I've listened to his talks, and, and they're quite good. They're all right. But mine are all right as well. And in fact, J. John and I, we share talks. Um, he writes them. I like to think I improve on them. And, uh, but you know what? I was asking, why is it that lots of people become Christians whenever J. John invites them more than when I do? And I found the answer a while ago. Uh, it was my day off. 
And J. John phoned me. He doesn't live far from me, and we're good friends. And he said, I want to take you out for lunch. And there's certain principles by which I live my life. And one of them is this. I never, ever, ever refuse lunch when it's offered. And so I said yes, and he took me to the restaurant, and we went to the restaurant, and we sat down, and I was tired. It was my day off, and I was hungry. I hadn't eaten anything since 11 a.m., and uh, we sat there, the waitress came along, and uh, she gave us the menus, and, and John said, hello, what's your name? And I thought, oh, come on, John, let's just eat. And then she said her name, and he said, how long have you been working here? And she said, and he said, what would you like to do with your life? And she said something. And then he said, would you like to know what I do? And I thought, oh, no, you are, aren't you? You are. You're going to tell her about Jesus. You're going to... And it's like, I just want to eat, for goodness sake. And then, and then he said, do you want to know what I do? I'm an evangelist. And then I thought, at this point, I wanted to shout at him, John, shut up. Let her go to hell. I want my lunch. <laughs> and that's why J. John is anointed evangelist, and I'm not. Because he tells people about Jesus before lunch on his day off. He does it all the time. He's obedient all the time. And do you know, when we live in obedience, God does stuff. And you know what? In a few minutes, we're going to invite any of you who have not yet given your life to Jesus. Maybe you've been hanging out with youth group, hanging around church, uh, or maybe you just got invited and they didn't tell you what this was. But in, in the first day, in the first day, that you've been here, you sense something real, something different, and you'd like to give your life to Jesus. You'd like Jesus to be your friend and your king. And you know, Christianity, Christianity is not, it is not about religion. It's not about rules and regulations. It's about a relationship. It's about a relationship, a relationship with Jesus. And in just a few moments, I'm going to ask some of you to do an incredibly brave thing. If you're not a follower of Jesus or you don't know if you are and you'd like to be, I'm going to ask you to come, in, walk through everyone and come and stand at the front here. And uh, the reason I'm asking you to do that is I want the moment you give your life to Jesus to be a moment you'll never forget. We could do it in a corner somewhere, but I'd rather we do it front and center. But another thing, for loads of you who are Christians, I just want to tell you, Jesus is speaking to you. And you know what? We've all got to learn to listen to his voice. And as we listen to his voice and obey him and step out, and I just want to tell you how it works. It never feels easy. It never feels like um, it, it's all going to work straightforward. I'll just give you one example, just one. Um, a while ago, Jesus said to me, he wanted me to be obedient through this stuff. And so I promised that I would, even if it was scary or it didn't make sense. And then a couple of years ago, or three years ago, at Soul Survivor, um, the, the night before, about 200 people came forward to give their lives to Jesus. And we were really happy. And then the next night, I was due to speak. And uh, the Lord said to me, and when I say the Lord said to me, it wasn't like, hear ye, hear ye, God calling Mike, are you receiving me? tablet of stone on its way down duck it wasn't like that it was it was more like oh I've just had a thought where did that thought come from that's an interesting thought why would I think that thought is that you Lord or is it indigestion 
And in my case, quite often, it's indigestion. But the only way I know is by saying it. And as I was about to speak, the Lord spoke to me. I recognize it now. And he said, there's someone here who said to his friend this morning, if they invite people tonight to be, go forward to become Christians, I think I'll go. And, um, and I said, and, and the Lord said to me, and his name is Sam. And I was like, okay, at the end of this meeting, I'll say, if anyone wants to become a Christian and you didn't last night, you'll actually come forward. And by the way, there might be someone called Sam. You said to your friend this morning, if they make an invitation, blah, blah, blah. And then the Lord said to me, no, I want you to do it now. And I was like, not now, Lord, I haven't preached. And he said, I want you to do it now. And I started arguing with the Lord. I said, but Lord, what if there isn't a Sam? What if I got it wrong? What if there is a Sam and he doesn't want to come forward in front of 8,000 people? Have you thought of that, Lord? You know, and all of that. But I just knew I, I made a promise to be obedient. So I, I said, look, guys, before I speak, um, I think the Lord is saying there's someone here called Sam. You said to your friend this morning, if they invite people forward to become Christians, I might go forward. Well, Sam, we're going to wait for you now. Where are you? Why don't you come forward? And then the next few moments were the worst of my life. I stood there and 8,000 pairs of eyes stared at me. And no one came forward. And I thought, I'm going to kill myself. And it was like, oh no, what do I do? What do I do? I don't know what to do. Lord, please, please rescue me. If you rescue me, I'll do anything you want. I'll, 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 I'll be nice to my sister. I'll... I'll, I'll go and live in Wales. I'll do anything you want. That's a joke. That's a joke. Cardiff Vineyard, it's all right. That's a joke. And, and anyway, and then after ages, this kid stood up and everyone around started clapping and he walked 10 paces and then he sat down next to a girl he obviously fancied. <laughs> and I wanted to kill him. And then I was like, oh, please, oh, please. And then I was so desperate because I didn't know what to do. I prayed the prayer I always pray when I'm in terrible, terrible trouble and nothing else will work. I prayed for the second coming. <laughs> I said, Lord, return now. End the world now. You're going to do it sometime. If you love me, you'll do it now. But of course, he didn't do it then because if he did, we wouldn't be here, would we? <laughs> Although some of you would. But that's a joke. That's a joke. That's a joke, Trent Vineyard. Um, that's a joke. Anyway, <laughs> and, and, and then after, I promise you, after ages, this kid, well, it seemed like, it was probably only a few moments, but it seemed like ages, this kid stood up, this lad, and he started walking, and he walked down the aisle, and as he came there, we just noticed he was trembling and shaking. And I said are you Sam? And he said, yes. And I said, did you say that to your friend this morning? And he nodded. And I said, are you ready to give your life to Jesus? And he said, yes. And we prayed for him in front of, some of you might have been there. We prayed for him in front of everyone. And then when, we, when he gave his life to Jesus, he walked back and I saw his friend running up to him and the two of them were hugging each other and crying. And you know, the next day, they, the youth leader 
and some of the others in the youth group came and told me that Sam hadn't been a Christian at all. It was his best friend that had been praying for him. He brought him, and um, Sam hadn't wanted to know, and Sam was suffering from depression, and uh, he'd been into a whole drug scene and everything. And then that morning, he said, there's something in this. I think I might give my life to Jesus if they make the invitation tonight. And the question I was asking Jesus was, Lord, why now? Why can't we do it at the end? Why does it have to be so theatrical? Why do you have to put me through this? You know I have a heart condition. You know why? Oh, I was exaggerating. And, and, and everything. Why do this? And you know what? The Lord answered when Sam prayed the prayer and said, Amen. When he did that, 8,000 people spontaneously stood and clapped and cheered the Lord and Sam. And the Lord said to me, that's why. Because yesterday you were rejoicing that 200 gave their lives to me. And I wanted to show you all that I will stop a whole meeting for one Sam. For one Sam. That's what he's like. That's what the Lord's like. He loves us. He loves us one person at a time. And what we're going to do now, what we're going to do now is we're going to make that invitation. Now, you know, I said earlier about, you know, like some of you, maybe your friends brought you and they told you it was a gig. Um, and as soon as you heard the band, you thought this is no gig. Uh, it may be. Do you know, this is absolutely true. This is absolutely true. Some of you have heard this before, but this is for those of you that haven't. You know, a few years ago, uh, some friends, they had the friend at school. They were so desperate for him to come uh, that they lied to him and they told him, and he was interested in Buddhism. So they told him it was a Buddhist convention. <laughs> the, the, uh, so when he came, he was really confused on the first night. And he thought, this doesn't suit, look like a Buddhist convention. And then I waddled onto the stage and he suddenly relaxed because he thought, oh, it's all right, there's the Buddha. <laughs> but I, I'm not the Buddha. I'm not. And Buddha wrong. Jesus, Jesus, only way, Jesus to God. And so, and so whatever, I want to say to you, in a moment I'm going to pray. And if you're not a follower of Jesus or you don't know if you are, I'm going to ask you to do a really brave and gutsy thing. If you can't come on your own, nudge a friend who came with you and say, would you walk up with me? They will. If you come forward, I promise we're not going to do anything weird to you. I'm not going to kiss you. I'm not going to lick you. I'm not going to push you over. We're not going to take your money. That comes later. Um, that's the kind of a joke. You know, we just want to introduce you to Jesus. And we're going to pray, listen, listen, a simple prayer. A simple prayer. And like I said, we want to do it like this because I want this moment to be one you'll never forget. And I want you to do it as an open act of witness. I'm going to pray now and then we're going to wait. And if one person comes, it's worth it. If one person comes, it's worth it. Let's pray. And Jesus, now I ask that you do a miracle, a miracle of salvation. And Lord, I pray that you would draw many to yourself tonight. Holy Spirit, would you open people's eyes that they would see how wonderful Jesus is. Jesus, you are wonderful and we love you. And Lord, I pray that there would be folk in the next few moments who will join your family, this family, 
Amen.